There are so many new and overwhelming pressures on kids nowadays that I can't even imagine trying to grow up in a time like this. And it's even harder to imagine if it wasn't growing up with your own family, but rather an adopted or foster family. I think every kid needs to know that they are loved just as they are. Stephen Courtney Cohen will share their book, Loved As You Are, as well as their experiences with their own kids. Let's listen in. Hello, and welcome to the Power of Kids Book podcast, where we believe kids' books are a catalyst for inspiring and empowering change. I'm your host, Dory Durbin, and today we have Steve and Courtney Cohen. They are the owners and operators of Now Found Ministry, Publishing, and Apparel, as well as over 11 books, including three children's books. And today we're talking about their book, Loved As You Are. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. I Let's talk just about your book, Loved As You Are, just in general. What is your book about and what can you tell us was the premise for it? So Loved As You Are is, it really emerged from a place of, I mean, Steve can tell how the, the words came to be, but the heart of the book itself is really to speak to families that have kids that have walked through hard times. So that can be foster children that have been adopted into their family. Um, that could speak to any kind of difficulty that just we as humans walk through. So we've seen so many adults even read this book and just come to tears because it it touches something in you because we all face difficult circumstances throughout our lives. The words themselves actually came out of a place of jealousy because my wife had a book that uh, she had been given, a children's book. We we have, um, it's called Where Your Beginning Began. And she got that poem late one uh late in the evening one night, and I had been jealous for a, a number of months that I wanted a poem, and I was going to God saying, where's mine? Where's mine? And one night, he uh, he did that. He came to me and said, you want your poem? And it was about 10 o'clock at night, and uh, we were just laying down for bed, and there he, get, he gave it to us. So that was kind of where it came from. But it also, it's really all about this this journey of family and creating unity. And Court talked about, or Courtney talked about the um, the hard places, whether that's foster or even kinship, um, just different places, really hard places that uh, maybe families come from. And that's where the title came from, too. I'm assuming the loved as you are. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we, we've we been foster parents and then we've also adopted. Um, and we know we've experienced in fostering that it's it's messy. It's not a very uh, nice and clean process, and not everybody is super well behaved, including us, because it's all new. Um, so it's a real challenging process, um, and yet it can be such a beautiful way to to form a family um, mm-hmm. if you're willing to take that time to to dig into the value and the heart of that child. So instead of seeing the the difficult things that that kiddo has gone through as obstacles that are negative, that are bad, instead, if you look at those things as part of the bigger picture, which is kind of the theme that weaves its way through this book, that God is going to use those hard things too, just as well as he uses the beautiful things that are more obviously good. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is not limited by the difficult things that we face. And the loved as you are really we have, when you when you have foster placements or adoptive adoptive placements a lot of times um, the kiddos are are performing they they want to 
put on their best face, put on their best behavior so that you'll like them. And what we really want the heart to be is that we understand you've gone through some incredible challenging things and you are loved as you are even through or even with all of that stuff that you're coming to us with because as courtney said we have that same stuff too so you're loved as you are that's a great great example i i think about you know just even your own kids in that situation seeing that they don't have to be perfect either right not only the foster kids the adopted kids but your own yes absolutely i certainly hope so yeah so <laughs> we should have every parent in some extent but um now i'm super curious about the giraffe's name here so you have kind of a cute story about jiff what is that story it is jiff not to be confused with gif it looks like um and it really just depends on that whole argument there between gif and jiff and the technology world but uh jiff the giraffe was a character that we had painted on our youngest wall. And as she started developing her language and identifying colors and themes, uh, she would come up to the wall every night. Then we were walking around saying goodnight to all the animals. And she would say, you look like peanut butter. And <laughs> just in this cute, adorable tone. And there became, you know, Jif, like the peanut butter, the giraffe, just spelled with a G instead. Yep because alliteration and we have to match giraffe with the G, right? And so the selection of the giraffe, was that, um, was there any specific meaning behind that? No, there, there, it was, so all of the characters that are in all of our children's books are developed from the characters that we painted on her wall. We have a mural, every single wall in the room actually has animals on it. And we've just been going around and around. So as you flip through the pages, those are animals that we at one point have uh, have put up on our walls. We even added some extra ones after we thought about the book. We we're like, oh, we we don't have a bunny, and there's a there's a bunny there. We we added just different characters all throughout her room. So, how fun! Very fun room, very fun. Also, I read part of your description. It said that Gif was going on a perilous and providential journey. So I thought that was really interesting. That um, that. Jif was going through something that was really trying. I'm assuming it has a parallel in your story there. So I'm trying to think of, of how best to answer that one. So, <laughs> so provident, perilous and providential. So, you know, I've, I've seen a, a picture even recently of, you know, just a stick figure and there's just a line and it says how we would like things to go in life. And it's like point A, point B, nice, neat row. And then the next line, it says how things actually go. And point A is here. And then point B just goes like, and then there's a pit that you fall into. And then there's a mountain you climb. It's just, it's perilous. There, It's not nice and neat and clean and as orderly as we would all like it to be. Um, but even in the peril, there is the providential aspect to it. So it is, it is being guided by God because he's, he's inside of our lives. Um, and he is working through our circumstances and through us. Yeah. The, in the book, the, the illustrations themselves really lend to that as well. You'll actually see sometimes where in the in the poem, it is a poem throughout the entire book, where you see um Jif is is hurting. He's crying. He's he's and and the environment around that in the illustrations also lend to that they show there's a from the the boggy swamps of family which is actually the the land that we've created which is jamaican for family um 
mountaintops with just a horrible snowstorm. And it's just some of the most difficult things. But then you also see these beautiful times where Jif is being elevated to a place of, of royalty, if you if mm-hmm. uh, you would. So there's these, it is, it's really the span of, as Courtney said, the kind of the the perilous and the providential it's going from the the lows to the highs and no matter where you are again it's all about letting letting our family know letting our kids know that you're loved no matter where you're at in that journey in that in that spectrum that's this going to be really powerful for them to see visually and to hear in words but then also to be reinforced by you having read it well speaking of reading did you have 30 seconds worth of your book that you wanted to share with us absolutely um, so the the pages that we chose are at the very beginning of the book and at the very end of the book. So some of those other things in the middle, um, we'll just have to, to read it and see it, um, see it for themselves. So here we go. When one day you wonder whether you belong, please know that you're part of God's portrait beautifully drawn. And then towards the end, you need to change nothing to be loved as you are. You're our child of God, our bright and wonderful star. When times get difficult, they're not out of hand. You are and forever will be part of God's beautiful or wonderful plan. It's beautiful. I love that. I think it just makes you feel warm and fuzzy just with what you read. (laughs) (laughs) And And those pages there, you from the beginning, you see in the illustration that Jeff is looking out but he, he's having trouble seeing beyond his current circumstance, being beyond what he, the, this this cliff that he's really standing on, looking out, trying to see what's coming. And towards the end of the book, and you go through all these different locations through Fombly, and towards the end of the book, he gets revelation when we start seeing that part of this God's portrait is, is this beautiful tapestry of all of the different scenes throughout the book. And uh, there's a, a unique little signature going on in the bottom right corner. It says Yahweh, which is our God creator. He's he's the Lord. Just he's loving. You know, that's part of his portrait that he's been drawing. So that's really neat. So the whole by the end, the whole thing fits together for him and for the reader. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially the entire book until that last little bit zooms in on a scene. It zooms in on a particular space. And then at the end, it pulls back all the way. That's neat. That's really neat. Okay. When you wrote this book, I know that it was given to you. What did you feel the purpose of this book was and how effective do you think it's been? So the the heart behind it, when, when Courtney wrote Where Your Beginning Began, that was for a specific purpose for private adoption. And it was really burning on my heart that that God would provide something that would really minister to the other adopted kiddos. Um, and we had it on our heart that we were going to actually continue to adopt then and we were going to continue to foster. So these other aspects, and that's really, yeah, I joked around about being jealous, but that's really where the heart came from is I, I, yes, I was jealous. I wanted a poem. I wanted to be able to be a part of the, you know, this process and have fun with this as well. Um, but there is just this burning desire to minister to kids from hard places. Um, all people from hard places and and just things that, you know, we've all gone through. So, so I'm curious if I can ask, what was the, the oldest age child that you fostered? 
in your own experience? 13. Yeah. <laughs> so 13. Yeah. And then the youngest? One. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So we, we have a little bit of a, a range there. <laughs> and we'll see what, uh, what comes next. God gave us a vision for our family many years ago that just that says always room for one more. And we would, we would love to cast that same vision to other families who are, who are thinking about it or even considering this, that we open our homes and always, always be willing and open-handed to whatever God's going to do. If he's going to bring a child into, into your arms, if he's going to, you know, it, it could be just for a couple months just to give them a safe place. Um, anything along those lines, that's, that's really kind of this heart is to always have room for, for one more. And I think my next question is, how do you know if you're that person? How do you know that you're a family that can handle fostering other kids? Mm. Well, I think, first of all, having a, a, a burden on your heart for them. Um, and then I think one obstacle that people create, they create it as an obstacle and it doesn't have to be. Um, I can't tell you how many people have said to me and to us, Oh, I could never do that because it would break my heart when they left. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our response is something along the lines of, well, are you willing to be inconvenienced and for your heart to hurt a little bit in order to provide a safe place for a kiddo that really needs it? Because most of us, if our hearts are burdened for those kids, we're in a, a more mature state, a healthier state where we can handle a little bit of heartbreak. We know how to, how to deal with being sad and being upset. Um, but they don't usually kiddos in that situation don't usually know how to process through those really difficult emotions. So I think that's a big indicator. If your heart is really bothered um, and you think that your heart would break, then you might just be the right person for that job. Yeah. If, if your heart is breaking and you know, your heart would break, that is a great indication for me that says, hey, you really need to probably ask out about this, see what he says, and continue to move forward with it. Go get training. Go go to a a, a, um, a class. Go, go somewhere just to get an information session and just see what God does. And if he keeps on just fueling that fire in, that in your heart, then I would just follow it. Yeah. And there's also other ways, you know, people can dip their toe in a little bit, you know, they can become respite, um, caregivers, which is just under two weeks. And so helping out foster families, there's never enough respite families. And so you can get a little taste of what that process is like, um, and get to know foster families in your area and go over and help them fold laundry and, you know, like get involved in their lives because they need help. Um, so just, there are so many ways to get involved and get a taste for it before you jump full in. Um, if you, feel like you need that that little bit of experience. Oh, that's great advice. I think too often people feel like they have to jump in full on. And that's part of the intimidation is, you know, how much that that's going to affect them immediately. So that's exactly. great. Yeah, great advice. Okay, back to your book, just for a minute. <laughs> so <laughs> um, when, when you wrote your, well, after having written your book, who would you recommend would benefit the most from reading it? And how might you read, have them read this book to, let's say, family, friends, et cetera? Um, I, I would, we would love to see this book get into the hands of at many adoption agencies um, and foster care agencies. 
where they can give this book to families that are starting out on their journey of fostering or adoption um, because it gives them a glimpse into what they might face and and can kind of prepare their heart, but they already will have a tool to sit down on the couch with a kiddo um, and just read it. And that might open up windows of conversation where we we discovered in something that we've heard many times over is that you're not going to know everything about a child that comes to you through foster care right off the bat. You're going to discover things as trust develops. And sometimes that you're not going to discover something until after adoption has even taken place. So it's this ongoing conversation through weeks and months and years of just being available um, and letting them know you're still loved as you are. Okay. There's another hard thing you need to share. Okay. You're still loved as you are. And just repeating that concept over and over. Um, that's a huge way that we can see families growing and just bringing healing into their homes. I, I think also to, it, it shouldn't just be for the uh, adoptive parents, but also mm-hmm. for the family and friends around. I think all of them should actually have a copy of this book. So it, if the children go to their house, they can hear it again, but also so that the parents, like the grandparents, the aunts, the uncles, the best friends, all those people that are going to be pouring into these these children just through contact and, and community and relationship, they should also know and be of like mind so that they understand the 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 verbiage that's being used, but also the really the heart of okay. I'm, I've gone through some hard times. This kiddo may actually just exhibit a different symptom of the same hard time that I went through. I'm just going to love on them. I just want to love on them. And, and everybody uniting in that front, creating a stable foundation of relationship and love and, and genuine care for, for these kids. It seemed like having that same language would inspire a lot more patience, a lot more understanding, probably just general empathy for that situation too. Yep. Exactly. I think. Too, we have several scenes in this book that really speak to the blended nature of this kind of family um, and how both Jif um, was dreaming of a family, dreaming of parents, and the parents were dreaming of a child. And so you you also see those glimpses too of what they hope could be. And now they finally have arrived. Um so really appreciating that family that's come together. Um, we have the a family tree kind of picture in there with some different Polaroids, you know, stuck in. And, and if there are some Easter eggs and things to to look for, yeah. one that I'll give away is actually that family tree actually has the dots of Jeff grafted into the roots, which is a symbol of really grafting trees together is something it's permanent, it's it's long lasting, but it, it means that they are part of. So by Jif actually having her dots or his dots on the, the root system, it really shows how deep the family's love for, for him is. So that's neat. That is really neat. I love that. Anything else we should know about your book? Oh, yep. Go ahead. I was going to say there's another Easter egg. It's not actually a lot of people. When I say that, a lot of people don't know what an Easter egg is, but it's just something to keep looking for. It's out there. It's fun to look. Just look throughout all of the illustrations. It's it's wonderful. There's a lot of thought. There's about 400 hours of actual drawing time that went into this book. A lot of thought 
to tie the pages together, to tie the images to the wording. And uh, we'll have some other resources and probably maybe even some public readings and whatnot to kind of reveal some more of the, the fun stuff that's uh, kind of hidden in the, in the illustrations. That's great. They'll have to see you in person then. They'll have to get all that. <laughs> so uh, if they're looking for you, where should they find you? Where's the easiest place? So easiest place to go is nowfound.org. So N-O-W-F-O-U-N-D dot org. Very good. Very good. Well, thank you to both of you, Steve and Courtney. I appreciate your time. And I can't wait for people to find your books and just learn more about you. Thank you. Thank it's you. been a pleasure. Thank you.